Let's go. Okay, good morning. Good to see you all again. All right. So this morning we're going to, we are talking about encounter. Sandy started last week, um, preached a really good message about encounter, encountering God. And so if you didn't hear it, I encourage you, go and look on the website and you can listen to the recording from there. It lays a really good foundation. And today I'm going to pick up on that. We're going to continue on, on this theme of encountering God. You know, there's nothing more important in the Christian life than the fact that we ought to be pursuing God. But sometimes we need an encounter with Him. We need an encounter with God that is going to, that's going to touch us and change us and, and help refine our values and, and help move us forward. Morning, guys, just come in. And um, so today we're going, we're going to jump straight into, into the Word. So in Genesis 28, verse 11 to 16. Now, the background to this, and most of you probably know it, is um, Genesis 28, verse 11 to 16. It's this guy, Jacob. Jacob, right? And you all know him from the Old Testament. He's, 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 he's the grandson of Abraham. Uh, it was, we had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Isaac was the son of promise, and, and Jacob is his son. And, um, but Jacob, but his name means actually um, heel grabber. He was one of twins. He, uh, Esau was his, was, came out just before him. And it was said that, that uh, Jacob came out holding on to the heel of, of Esau. Now, whether in reality he was or not, but whether it was just his nature, that by nature he was a heel grabber. He was a supplanter, which means that he would try and supersede others by, by means of treachery. This is the guy's name, and this is his nature. This is who he was. And so the, the, the background to this account that we're about to read is, is we see Jacob, he has stolen, stolen the birth of his, his brother's blessing from his father. Now, in those days, blessings were big things. It meant that the, whoever got the blessing got a double portion of the inheritance. It was a huge deal in those days. And his brother now wants to kill him. His own brother wants to kill him. Talk about family problems, eh? So Genesis 28, verse 11 to 16, that's the background to the story. Now, Jacob is fleeing for his life. He's running to a, a far country. He's getting out of the place before his brother gets hold of him. And he comes to a certain place and stayed there all night, in verse 11, because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and laid down in that place to sleep. We literally had rocks for pillows, hey? And then he dreamed, and behold, a, lab- a ladder was set up on the earth. And its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And from verse 13, God appears and he, and he declares this incredible blessing over, over Jacob. And he says, Behold, the Lord God stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this place, back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done all that I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. This is an incredible account of, this, of an encounter through a dream that, Ab- that, that Jacob has with God. And, and here we see God speaking to him. And he says, and something that stands out here, he says, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father. But hold on, his father's Isaac. Jacob 
is the son of Isaac. Abraham is his grandfather. But in God's, God's economy and in God's thinking, God says, no, no, I'm the Lord God of your father, Abraham. God had a covenant with Abraham. And here we see this covenant promise made to, to Abraham being passed on to the children's children. You know what, church? God is faithful to a thousand generations. He promised it to Abraham, and he saw it through to his children, and his children's children through to David, and to all who are people of faith even today. God is a God of integrity. You can trust him on his word. When God makes a promise, he keeps his promise, whether we are there to see that he does or not. God is a God of faithfulness. And here we have this guy, Jacob, this, this heel grabber, this, this one who lays snares for others, who, who supersedes others by treachery, and God is blessing him. You know what? God has no favorites. God has no favorites. He didn't choose me over my neighbor. God responds to us in the way that we respond to him. God chooses those who will respond to him. And it's interesting that he, he brings it all back to Abraham, the father of faith. How we respond to God is going to dictate and determine how God is going to respond to us and how he's going to encounter us. And yeah, he reaches out even to this one. You know what? It doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, what you've done, what your background was, what you did yesterday. God is only interested in who you are, in who, how you will respond to him. Will you reach out to him in faith? Will you humble yourself and reach out to him? Because God will meet with you. And so God's blessing is poured upon this man, Jacob, who at this time is nothing but a supplanter, a, a treacherous man, a devious man who stole his own brother's blessing. And God blesses this man. And, and for the next 20 years, Jacob will go and live in a foreign country, and he himself will become the victim of a treacherous man, his father-in-law, who will trick him 10 times, change his wages 10 times, and rip him off for 20 years. But he's going to be in the midst of that. In the midst of all of that, he will be blessed. God's blessing remains upon him, and he comes out of it unharmed and a blessed and a wealthy and a prosperous man. God's election and calling are determined by our responses, church. It's not about how much good we do. It's how we respond to him. Sandy said in the offering today, it's about our heart. It's about our heart attitude towards God. That is all that God is looking for. And you know what? We can have experiences with God ourselves. And we ought to be. It should be part of the normal Christian life. We should be having experiences with God. I'm not saying that we live from experience to experience. No, the just shall live by faith. Yeah, we do as of this word. This word is a this word is a lamp to our a path, a light to our a lamp, yeah, a light to our path, a lamp to our feet, right? And we people of faith, but nevertheless, we can expect to have experiences with God. We should in our private times, in our personal times, in prayer times, and, and when we get together on a Sunday morning and corporate worship, we should expect, we should anticipate the presence of God to come and encounter us and speak truth and life into our lives. You know, last Sunday night, we went down to prayer meeting at Haventon. We joined with the, the congregation down in Haventon. We had a prayer meeting. And towards the end of the prayer meeting, we broke into small groups and we prayed for each other. And God moved. God moved. There was people, there was, uh, the Spirit of God was moving. People were prophesying. And I know in our little group, Somebody, well, Steve was praying for me. He laid hands on me. And, you know, like the psalmist, the only way I can describe it is, you know, the psalmist says, he says that the mountains melt like wax before the Lord. That's how I felt. The mountains in my life 
melted like wax before the Lord. I, I, was, I was shaking like a, or, or waving around like a drunken person. I, was, I really, I, I felt like wax. There was a presence that was tangible, and it wasn't the people around me. There was something that I just wanted more of, and this is, this is just a touch from God. We can expect to encounter the presence of God. We serve a living God. He's not dead. He is alive, and he wants to meet with his people. He loves you. He created you for relationship. So come expectant to church. Come to the prayer meetings. Come expecting to hear from God, to be touched by God. Last week, Sandy spoke about positioning ourselves to be touched by God, to position ourselves. And she showed from, from Psalm 1, and I've just stolen a Bible here to, well, I've borrowed it. And she showed from Psalm 1, the first two verses, that how we shouldn't go through the, that there are three doors that we can choose from. There's a door of passivity. There's a door of regression. And there's a door advance. And, and we need to choose right. We need to choose that door advance. You know, it says in Psalm 1, the first verse, he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners. That's the place of passivity. When we become passive, we walk in the counsel of the ungodly, the, of those that don't know God. And then we, and then we stand with them and we, we interact with them. We, we slow down. We go from walking to standing with them. We're taking more note now. So it's, it's a path of passivity. And then comes the final, the full regression when you sit in the seat of the scornful. But we're not like that. We're like the man in verse 2 who says, but we're that blessed man whose delight, his delight is in the law of his Lord. And he is, this guy is blessed in all he does. There is only one direction of travel for us. And that is due north. The path of the righteous leads ever upwards. Amen. And we, are, we desire, church, we desire to constantly move forward. We, what do we desire? To constantly move toward God to move forward and to move toward God. We want to grow through constant change, consistent, being consistent, through personal consistent change. No matter how long you've been a Christian, whether it's days, weeks, years, it makes no difference. We ought to be changing. Acts 3 verse 19, Peter says this, this well-known verse, he says, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. You know what? We want fresh encounters with God. We need, we need more encounters with God. You know, in His presence, the Bible says, is fullness, fullness of joy. At His right hand are pleasures forevermore. He blesses, and with it, He adds no sorrow. We desire encounter that's going to bring about a change and, and a refining of the things that we value. We've recently done a series of, of, of values and looked at the importance of how, how important it is to be aware of what we are valuing in life. Because what we value depends, determines where we're going to, the direction of our lives. And, and we, want, we want encounters with God that are going to help us to refine the things that we value, to put things into perspective. Pers, pers, perspective thank you, yeah. That we will that, that, that will even change direction, that, that we will live intentionally. Live intentionally. It is so easy to sleepwalk through life. It's too easy just to keep going, just to plod on day after day. We need to live intentionally. And an essential attribute in our quest for more of God is hunger. Hunger. Didn't Jesus say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness? For 
they will be filled. They will be filled. Psalm 107 says, He satisfies the longing soul. He fills the hungry soul with goodness. God meets with us. But do we have what it takes to pursue Him? Are we thirsty enough? Are we thirsty enough? You know, life is challenging. Life is busy. It is full of distractions, full of temptations. Life is challenging. Psalm, the, 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 the writer of Proverbs said in 27 verse 7, he said, A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. You know, when I was a kid, my mom always used to say to me, Don't eat that before supper time, you'll ruin your appetite. Now I'm married, I've got a wife, and she says, don't eat that before supper time, it'll ruin your appetite. Nothing changes, right? Some things never change. You know what? When we fill ourselves, when we fill ourselves with things not necessarily bad, not necessarily evil, but when we are full, there is no more desire. If, if, if I fill up on a, on a cheese sandwich, Sandy can put the best meal in front of me. Yeah, it's lovely, it looks good, but I don't have the appetite for it. I'm not hungry anymore. I'm full. And we can do the same with life. Our, 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 busy, our, our busy lives can fill us with, with all sorts of things. And then when we come to God at the end of the day, yeah, I know that I want to spend time with God. I, I know I love His Word. I desire His presence. But, nah, I'm full now. I'm full now. My soul has been filled with other things. But it says, but to, to the hungry soul, even a bitter thing is sweet. We need to make sure that we leave space in our lives for God, which why is God, which sorry, which why God is speaks so much about first fruits, about the first fruits. We touched on it last week. We spoke on first fruits a little. You know, he says to he says to the children of Israel, he says, in a, in a, in a number of places, it's almost like a repetition of a repeat of what he said. And he says, you know, when you come into the land, which I promised you, when you come into all the good that I've given you, he says, remember the Lord your God. Remember me. Don't forget me. And he says, and bring a first fruits of all that you've given. I tell you why, church. Otherwise, it is so easy. If we don't put God first, if we don't put God first in our planning, it is so easy for other things to come in and to take our time. It is so easy. And once that happens, it's so easy to get pulled away and to think, actually, was that really God? I, th I think actually, you know, that was my hard work. It was the preparation I put into it. It was, it was this. You know, church, you can see a miracle. And over the course of time, you can doubt whether it was a miracle or not. Doubts will come in. You need to give God your first fruits. You need to give God the best of who you are. Give it from your heart. Put God first in everything. Ecclesiastes says it like this. Ecclesiastes 12.1, he says, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. Before, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. We need to put God first, church. We can't afford to procrastinate. We can't afford to be passive. We need to stir ourselves up, ourselves up to develop a hunger for God. You cannot walk in the way of sinners and live in the blessings and favor of God. It doesn't work like that. You know, God is a God of the second chance and the third chance and the fourth chance. Of course, he never changes. He's a God of grace. But you will reap what you sow. And you can't reap what you didn't sow. 
You and I don't know what tomorrow will bring. It's so important that we sow the good seed today so that we've got a harvest when we need it tomorrow. You know what? Someone, someone said this to me. They said, when's the best time to plant a tree? And I think I said, uh, I think in the autumn, you put in a bare root. I said, no, seven years ago. The best time to plant a tree is seven years ago. If you want to enjoy the shade from that tree, if it's a fruit tree, you want fruit from it, the best time to plant it was seven years ago. There is no opportunity to procrastinate. We can't put off till tomorrow what needs to be done today. We need to sow good seed today because we don't know what tomorrow brings. And we will need a harvest to be able to reap. So like Zacchaeus who climbed up that tree to see Jesus, he put, a, he, he put his dignity aside. He humbled himself. He climbed a tree so that he could see Jesus. Or Mary, Sandy spoke on this morning, who sat at Jesus' feet to hear the word of God. Jesus said to her sister, she said, he said, Mary's chosen the good path, good part, to hear his word, those words of life. She positioned herself, and hunger will cause us to position ourselves. We need hunger so that we will position ourselves correctly. You know, God desires your presence. God desires your presence more than we desire his presence. He wants you in his presence. He's, he's initiated that relationship with us. God is the one that initiated the whole thing. You know, Jesus is the bread, the true bread that comes down from heaven, that gives life to all who eat of him, isn't it? Jesus is the one that we need to be eating of. There are encounters to be had with God that will change our destiny. We can, we can encounter God and it will change our destiny, our entire forever and ever. Amen. Encounters that will change our perception of God and of life. And there are encounters that will bring us face to face with who we are. And that's where I want to go now. In Genesis 32, 24 to 32, back to Jacob, back to our, our friend, the supplanter, the deceiver. He's coming out of 20 years where he has been tricked and deceived by another trickster better than himself. And um, in, in, in Genesis 32, verse 24, um, now, Jacob is out, out in the wilderness. He's, he, he's, got these huge, um, he's got this huge wealth. He's got, he's got wives and children and, and livestock servants and whatever. And he set them all ahead on ahead of himself because his brother is coming with 400 men to confront him. And so he sent them all ahead of himself and, and he's on his own. He split them into parties so that if his brother's people attack one of the groups, the others can, attack, can escape. I mean, he's in, a, he's in a dangerous, dangerous place. And he's out in the wilderness by himself. And it says, in verse 24, it says, Now Jacob was left alone, and a man, capital M, wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he, the, the man, saw that he did not prevail against him, Jacob, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was, was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said to Jacob, Let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob says, I will, net, I will not let you go. Unless you bless me. There he goes again, seeking blessing, seeking blessing. So he says to him, what is your name? And he says, Jacob. And he says, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, 
why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I've seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Yeah, we see Jacob, the supplanter, doing what he's always doing, seeking blessing. You know, there's a couple of significant things that happen in this encounter here. First of all, Jacob comes in as Jacob, but he goes out as Israel. He has a change of identity. His, his hip is put out of joint. His walk is changed. His life is changed. He will no longer identify as the person he was. He will no longer identify as Jacob, the supplanter. But now he is Israel, Israel, the one who contended. And if you look in, in, in through the scripture, he says, uh, he starts like, like a child seeking blessing. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. There he goes again. He stole his brother's blessing. He had all this blessing while, he, while he's living in, in this foreign land. And now he wants more blessing. It's, it's the attitude of a child. Bless me, bless me. Take care of me. Provide for me. And God says, you know what? You know what, Jacob? It's time to grow up now. It was cute when you were a kid, but now you're 20 years old. You you don't look good in diapers anymore. It's time you put on some real pants. And he says, what is your name? It's time to grow up. It's time to face the reality and the truth of who you are. You know what? Jacob sees God face to face, but it's not until he was able to face himself that God could use him any further. He had to admit, he had to face up to who he was before God could work with him any further. He had to grow from being this child, this dependent, bless me, bless me, give me a dummy, feed me, to know now is the time to stand up for yourself, to be a son in the house, to take responsibility, to be mature, and to grow up and to take your place. You know what? God desires truth in the inward parts. God desires truth in the inward parts. He wants us to be honest with ourselves and with him. Compare this to, to Peter in Acts 3. He says, Repent therefore, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What does it mean to repent? It means to, to recognize and acknowledge the way that you are going and that you change direction. That's what repentance is. It's not, it's not even necessarily sin. It's just, it's just change direction. You, you might be filling your life with with, with Things that aren't bad. But it's stealing your time from God. And so when you come to that supper table, you are full because you're full of things that have got nothing to do with God. And you don't have an appetite anymore for God. So repent, acknowledge, take cognizance of how you are spending your time, how you are spending your life. What do you value most? And change direction. Why? That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. David the prophet, I mean, that was sin. David the prophet, this guy who, who, who was a, a man after God's own heart, and yet he committed adultery, committed a murder. But, but when confronted, you read Psalm 51, and you can see how, how genuine repentance comes. Genuine repentance, a change of direction. He acknowledges his sin. God against you and you only have our sin. Blot out my transgressions. Cleanse me. Cleanse me, and I will, be, I will be like snow. I will be clean on the inside. God is a God of mercy and truth. 
He, he desires truth in human parts, but he is also a God of mercy. And no matter what we've done, no matter where we've come from, we can always turn to God. We can always go to God with the truth. He knows it anyway. It's not like he finds out when we tell him, right? If you mess up, he's not waiting for me to confess. He knew it already. He's just waiting for me to turn back to him. And the final point regarding a truth encounter, we need to stop identifying with who we were. Stop identifying. You know, God said to, to Abraham, the father of faith, he was Abraham. He said, no longer will you be called Abraham. You will be called Abraham, the father of a nation. The, J- Jacob, no longer are you Jacob. You are now Israel. And now it was time for him to step up, to become the patriarch Jacob, the, 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 to become the patriarch Israel, sorry, the father of, of the 12 tribes of Israel. He had to step up. He had to stop being an immature son and take his place. And you know what? We have, in order for us to do it, we've got to forget those things which are behind. We've got to forget those things which are behind. You are a new creation. If you are born again, if, if you have asked Jesus into your life, the Bible says that old things are passed away. Old things are passed away. They dealt with. The blood of Jesus Christ dealt with those things on the cross. The price was paid. You've been translated from the dominion of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the Son of His love, and you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Stop identifying with the things of the past. Don't allow others to point you back to the past and say, I know who you are, I know what you've done. No, no, yes, I did. I don't deny it. You cannot deny it. But praise God, I am no longer that person. I, I am me. I am this new creation in Christ. I am a man of God. I'm a, I'm a saint. I am no longer a sinner by the grace of God. So position yourselves. Desire an encounter with God. We need to develop an, an appetite. We need to develop an appetite. And... and for that to happen, God needs to be able to, to wean us off milk and put us onto solid foods. No longer just needing blessing, but time to grow up and, and start eating some steak and, and get off the milk diet. And an ex- the final example I, uh, 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 that came to mind was, was when Peter, James, and John, they go with Jesus up the Mount of Transfiguration. You probably all know the story, right? And Jesus, they're up the Mount of Transfiguration. And um, Moses and... and, and um, Elijah, thank you, Sandy, <laughs> appeared to Jesus. And there's this presence of God. And Peter and the guys, they are, they're blown away. And Peter says, Lord, what shall we do? Yeah, shall we, let's build booths here. In other words, let's camp here. Let's, let's set up tents here. Let's stay here. And the Bible says, that a, but a voice comes from heaven and says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Do you know what? Yeah, we want encounters. We need encounters. But we're not going to live an experience. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by life, not by experience. We need experience to touch us, to help refine our values. We need an encounter of God to see Him clearly, but we don't live from experience to experience. Those things, unless they're changing us, are they real? If there's no change in our lives, if there's no fruit from it? So God says to him, listen to my son. Stop seeking just experience. Don't seek just blessing. And how do we live how do we listen to him today? This Bible. This Bible. You know what? Come on. The Bible is full of God. From Genesis through to Revelation. There's even the maps. <laughs> it's full of God. The Bible is all full of God. Read your Bible. If you want to develop a hunger for God, if you want to develop a hunger to be encountered with God, read his Bible and seek him when you read it. We don't read it for knowledge's sake. 
We, we seek it to encounter God. Jesus said to, to the religious people, he said, you search the scriptures thinking that in them you have eternal life, but you refuse to come to me. No, no, when we read his Bible, we read his Bible because we want to encounter God. We want to meet with God. L- look for him in, 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 in the accounts that are recorded there. What happened? What, what was God doing when certain things happened? How did he respond to things? What did he initiate? And then pray it back to him and say, Lord, why? Why did you do this, God? He will give you understanding. He will give you revelation. And a hunger will develop as you find God through the written word in the first instance. It will help you to develop a hunger for him. And then just coming into close, Psalm 139, verse 16 down to 18. The psalmist says this. He says, your eyes, God, saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. This, this here is echoes of, of, of the Abrahamic covenant, the blessing again. Echoes of that blessing coming through from generation to generation. How precious are your thoughts to me. How great is some of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Doesn't it sound like Jacob? When I awake, I'm still with you. He says, surely the Lord, when he awoke from his sleep, he said, surely the Lord was in this place, and I didn't know it. Church, let's not go through life in a sleepwalk. Let's not sleepwalk through life. God has gone ahead of you. He, he didn't, he did, he's, he's not the reason for the problems in your life. He didn't dictate everything that's going to happen to you in life, but he, but he, he pre-planned to be with you and to see you through each and every situation, each and every circumstance, he is with you. His, his thoughts towards you are more in number than the sand. His blessing is upon you. And no matter what you face, he will see you through. If we will just draw near to him, sow, sow the right seeds for your life that you're going to need for the future. Do to, don't put off to tomorrow what you need to do today. Seek God. Give him your best. Your life will go in the right direction. Your life will go in your presence. And let's be like Moses who, who said, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't bring us up from here. Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't bring us up from here. We desire the presence of God in our lives. So, church, let's be seeking God this week ahead. We're going to be fasting and praying. Put something aside. Make space in your life that will, that for, for God. Put it, try and, even if it's... Think of it in terms of first fruits. Think of it in first fruits. That you leave space for God. Not, not, not the end, but at the end of the day when you're tired. But put time aside for God to speak to him, to, to think on him, to meditate on his word, to pray to him. You know, we need to be changed before we can help anybody else. We can't give what we don't have. So this week, be seeking God, be, 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 be praying, be talking to him. God is waiting to encounter with us. And you know, he is faithful to his word. He is faithful to a thousand generations.